0: The Power and Learning podcast. I'm your host, Solana Lewis. Today, we are talking to Demetria Totten. She is about to compete in the Arnold Pro Finale, and we just get to learn a bit about her, how she got into the sport, and what she is planning to do at the Arnold Pro Finale, how her numbers have been going up tremendously, especially in the past year, a bit about what she does outside of training, and more. It's a good conversation with my good friend, Demetria. I really enjoyed it. I hope you love it, too. And you should listen to it right after you stop if you're driving. Wait till you add a red light. Go into your app. If it's Apple, scroll into the Lifting Podcast. Scroll down. Click leave a five-star rating. And a re- written review is very helpful for a podcast if you're on Spotify. All you got to do is click the three dots at the top and then leave press the leave a rating button and leave a rating you cannot review on Spotify. Both are very much appreciated, and they mean a lot to me, and y'all, I haven't been getting a lot of reviews lately, so please do, seriously do it. It's free, very helpful. Hope you enjoyed this episode. Let's go ahead and dive in.
1: I'm like, I'm making my debut this week.
0: There you go. (laughs) Uh, All right, y'all. I'm here with Demetria (laughs) Totten, and we are currently, let's see, today's Friday, so we're eight days away from your next competition, Arnold's Pro Finale. How are we feeling?
1: Uh, we are feeling good. Thank you for asking. We're feeling pretty good.
0: <laughs> yes, I've been seeing the training, some in person. I've been lucky enough to go in person a couple of times, sometimes just via the feed. But I know we're hitting some big PRs. And I was comparing like your current numbers to what you were hitting even like a year ago. I'm like, you have had a lot of progress.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Things, thing. a lot of things have changed in the past year. Um, one of those things being like the consistent steady progress ever since I started working with Steve. So that's been really great.
0: <laughs> so who were you working with before? I want to talk about you working with PR's performance, but who was it prior?
1: Yeah. So uh, my first coach who was coaching me, basically my first three years of powerlifting was um, a friend of mine from, um, from college. So, uh, going into my first ever meet, uh, when I first started prepping for it, I didn't have a coach at all. I was just following an online program. And then I came across my coach who also went to my school, uh, Stony Brook University. And, um, he was like, let me peek you into your meet, uh, which at that point I was like five weeks out or four weeks out. And I was like, I don't know what that is, but yes, let's do it. (laughs) Like back then I had no idea what that was, but, um. It ended up going really well, and he told me I had potential. And from there, it was just history. He was my coach from for three years on from then.
0: <laughs> oh, that's awesome! How did you even get started with uh, prepping for your first meet?
1: Um, so basically, uh, I I started my first semester of grad school summer 2018 and did a whole, a whole lot of nothing that summer besides studying and, um, you know, just being stressed and all of that. And then once I got through it, it was about three months. And once I got through it and had my first break, I was like reflecting on how much I didn't really do that summer <laughs> besides study. Um, and it was like, I need something that's going to keep me consistent, going to keep me going to the gym. And I'm like, if I pay to sign up for a powerlifting meet, uh, which would have been that December, um, I'm gonna have to keep going. I'm one of those people who I'm like, if I'm gonna put money into something, like it's gonna force me to do it. So I I paid for a meet and was like, okay, this is gonna make me go to the gym. And like, keep me going and keep me going consistent. And in that process of just going to the gym, like three times a week to train. Um, I just fell in love with it. I was like, this, I'm obsessed with this.
0: <laughs> so so since you like you were like, okay, I want to do a meet so I can stay consistent. You were already into the idea of like getting stronger. Kind of when I first started, I was like, I just want to like kind of look like the girls on Instagram who don't, who aren't just like scrawny. So I was like, I guess I should lift a weight like a dumbbell. Like, but you were already <laughs> like, no, I want to like power lift.
1: Yeah, yeah. Because um, what's it called? I had found out init- initially I just wanted to learn how to do the movements. I was someone who had never even touched a barbell before. Um, so when I first started getting into lifting, which was a few months prior, I just had a couple of friends of mine come with me to teach me how to do it. So I had never even touched the barbell. I was kind of scared to go to that section of the gym. Whenever I did go to the gym, it was like, you know, let's run on the treadmill, you know, work with the free weights a little bit, do bicep curls. But I never, I never touched a squat rack, never touched a barbell. But then I had a couple of friends who were really into it. So I was like, teach me, teach me how to squat teach me how to deadlift, teach me how to bench. And even just doing it, not consistently, just showing up and learning how to do the movements was so fun. Um, but then, like I said, I fell off once I started my grad program. But um, yeah, finding powerlifting, which was something that I found a lot of people did it at my school. Um, I was lucky enough to see a friend of mine um, on Instagram. That's how I found out about the sport in general, or how okay. I feel like most people find out about it. Um, but yeah, so that's how I knew about it in the first place. And was like, this is something that I think will keep me going to the gym. Because I was always an athletic person. Uh, so not having something was hard for me, just in general. Like not having a sport.
0: <laughs> what sports were you doing prior to powerlifting? Was it in high school? And were you competing in it?
1: Yeah, I was a softball player. I was there like we a go. Softball <laughs> yeah. <laughs> My whole life, I was a softball player up until, yeah, throughout high school. And then once I started college, I knew it wasn't something that was gonna, you know, get me through college. So I was like, okay, like my softball days are over. That was like my first love. And then um, I didn't have something like that in college. I tried a couple of different things. I tried rugby. That was fun. Um, um, But it ended up just like not being for me. So I didn't have like a sport, which was tough for me. It's always been like part of my identity. So it's nice to find something new.
0: Yeah. And like when I first started college, I was in the same boat. I the track and field and volleyball. And I remember starting up like, okay, well, I almost went to school for track like D3. I was not that great. It's just okay. And I was like, I don't want to run. I was like, I already have a hard time learning stuff. Like if I have to run. Ew. So I remember my first year. That's how I started lifting. I was like, I, I'm gonna like try some stuff on Bible.com because I, like, I want to do something. And I tried just like distance running, and I was like, oh no. Like I remember the first time, I was like, I'm still far running shoes and run. I made it like half a mile, I'm dying. And I'm like, you know what? I don't want to get better at this. Like <laughs> I just don't. I'm like, my heart burns. I taste blood. <laughs> I'm dying.
1: Yep, trying to convince yourself you enjoy running is (laughs) painful. I tried to do the same thing. I'm like, I'm gonna be a runner. I'm gonna start running, and um, that that feeling. I give a lot of people credit, especially those who run track and field. Um, But that feeling at the end of that run where you can't breathe, I always try to convince myself I like that feeling, and I don't.
0: (laughs) Yep, like oh, it's the runner's high after. I'm like, I just want to die. I'm like, I get I guess I feel satisfied once I shower. I'm like, okay, I survived, but I don't I don't feel physically good at any point <laughs> of this experience.
1: Like when does it start to feel good? I don't know.
0: <laughs> it never did. Oh my gosh. So what okay, so then you start with Steven, was it 2020 or 2020? No,
1: 2021. Twenty, yeah, end of end of twenty twenty one. I reached out to him that September, I think.
0: Okay, so what made you officially switch coaches?
1: Um, so I ended up switching coaches because I just felt like I needed, needed a change, I guess. I just needed to take that, that leap, I guess, to take me to the next level. Um, my current coach at that time, who has gotten me so far in the sport, which I'm forever grateful for, um, It just wasn't his uh, thing anymore to do. I was his only powerlifting client at that point. So um, it was just a natural switch for both of us. It was like, okay, I'm going to, you know, we're both going to move on. Um, We've gotten as far as we can go at this point, you know, and it's just, it was just time. So then I, Steve was the first and only person I reached out to. (laughs)
0: What and made it you out. want to train with Steve? I feel like Steve is now, like, only as of, like, the past year and a half. Like, I feel like right, probably right when you guys start working together, that's when everyone started talking about him a lot more, or I at least started seeing him a lot more everywhere before we got close, like, as friends. And I'm like, okay, at that point for you, what made you want to go with Steve?
1: Yeah. Uh, I wish it was more, like, I had more of, like, a, a huge story behind it, but it's more of just, like... I heard him on the Two White Lights podcast. I was a big Two White Lights fan. Um, And I feel like he had just recently started coming on with Angelo. And I would just Mm -hmm. listen to him talk. And something, like, I just could tell that this man was super smart. I was like, this guy knows what he's talking about. Like, down to every minute detail. And that's something, like, I'm someone who to a fault. I'm like, I need that. Like I need someone who I know is going to be like on top of everything. Cause I'm like that, like in terms Mm -hmm. of my training. So, um, I just followed my instinct, which is not always right. So I'm really happy that like, (laughs) that my intuition was right. I was just like, this sounds like the guy for me. Um, and uh, yeah, I reached out to him at first. I was on his, his waiting list for a short amount of time, but he got back to me really fast and I have not gone back since
0: <laughs> beautiful and he coached you through the first virginia pro right yes yeah nice so mm-hmm. what did you guys change when it comes to your deadlifts and i'm asking <laughs> that because that was the first time i ever seen you when i commentated the pro i was like oh all right we had to meet you blah blah but i didn't know who you were and you were having a good meet and then we know first two attempts to not go through and i was like oh She might. Uh, All right, guys, like she might bum (laughs) out, but maybe not. Like what major changes did y'all have to make to help with that lift?
1: Yeah. So that experience was terrifying for me. Um, (laughs)
0: uh, Yeah. So after
1: after that experience, we were like, okay, there's obviously some things we need to work on in terms of lockout, um, because my issue is usually balance at the top. Um, so a couple of things that we worked on changing were my head position. So all these little like minute things. So yeah, one of them was head position. So I have a habit of just like cranking my head back really hard when I'm trying to wedge. And even though that might not seem like a big deal, it kind of throws everything off. You know, your whole starting position gets messed up. And as a lot of us know, if your starting position is messed up, usually your lockout's going to be messed up. So I had to, I had to work on keeping my head in the same spot, like throughout my lift. That was one of them. Mm -hmm. Also, um, keeping a lot of people with like a wide sumo stance have their toes like really far out. Um, but that really wasn't working for me. That's part of my balance issue. Like I just cannot maintain balance with my toes just like pointed out like that. So we, we brought them in a little bit more. So they're more like 30 degrees. Um, and that's, that's helped a lot. Um and also just holding it at the top. (laughs) He's like, he used to be like, just hold it. As soon as you hold it for three seconds minimum, like, okay. (laughs) I started doing that too. Um, yeah. So just a bunch of little minute things that we've that we've worked on and built upon. And trust me, I still have my issues sometimes, as you've seen.
2: (laughs) Yes, but we're confident. (laughs) (laughs) Yes,
1: (laughs) we're confident. (laughs)
0: I love that you're talking about head position because if anyone is my athlete listening, (laughs) I feel like every athlete I ever have, we talk about head position all the time because normally they have just never thought about it. And they like the amounts that your head position dictates in a lift is insane, especially for the squat and a deadlift. Like if your head position is changing throughout it, it can be it can wreck you. Like It can full-blown wreck you. Or even if you start positions, it's like, it's way off from being neutral with your spine. Like, it can just cause you to not lock out lifts. And every time I talk to them about it, they're always astounded when it takes a while, but they finally start to, like, keep their head in the same spot. And they're like, <gasps> I'm like, yes.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> yes. Changes everything. You would never think, but your head position's off. It could throw everything off. I totally agree.
0: Oh, my God. So I was looking at your last meet, Megan That's Comparing it to the numbers I'm seeing you post right now, as you hit in some PR city with PR's performance, I saw your last squat. I know, right? It was cute. I saw your last That's squat <laughs> was uh, two eighty six in your meet, and you just squatted three hundred three. You had one ninety eight in your last two meets. You just hit two hundred three recently on the feet board, not and I missed it. And then you bet uh, that deadlift three sixty three. I saw three sixty nine. So we are yeah. having some good progress in all lifts. Squat is really blowing up
1: yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah I squat is probably the one I'm most proud of right now you know you know that feeling when your worst lift is all of a sudden going well
2: yes
0: yeah (laughs) Yeah. it's happening with me but in reverse deadlifts so I'm like I'm actually the other thing
1: (laughs) yeah like what's happening yeah it's it's been good yeah Considering that that's my lift that I'm, I was always most apprehensive about, the fact that that one of all is going well right now is is a good feeling.
0: <laughs> mm. What are our goals going into the pro finale?
1: I mean, my goals are always the same. You know, the, the goal is always to execute and, you know, try and go nine for nine without sandbagging any lifts. Um, of course, I have specific numbers in mind. But I always try and, and Steve has to remind me to stay level-headed and that we're not number chasing. So, um, but I could give you some numbers if you want to hear them. Yes, <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> I mean, I would love to hit, I would love to hit that squad on the platform. I would love to hit a 303 squad on the platform. I would love to finally hit my 204 bench on the platform um, because my bench took a hit like in the past year or two and it took a while to get it back to where it was and now I finally feel like it's here so it's time like so that would be that'd be nice and then deads I don't know deads is always up in the air (laughs) if I'm being honest if I could replicate what I did in the gym and hit 370 I'd be satisfied with that maybe Uh, 375 maybe
0: oh (laughs) hey there we go Maybe. it's like wild whenever I talk to someone in the smallest weight class and I hear their bench press and it's always super close to mine and I'm always just like you know I need to reevaluate my life I'm oh like I'm only like four weight classes above you and uh you're going for like five pounds less than I'm going for but it's all good
1: right it's all good the girl in the in the smaller weight classes people's benches are blowing up they really are like one 180 plus is becoming normal. Crazy, I know. <laughs>
0: I people. always have noticed this, especially lately. I'm like, the smallest woman always have the biggest bench. And as the weight classes go up, the benches do not like go up at the same rate at all. Like
1: it does not correlate.
0: <laughs> oh my gosh. What is the major difference in your bench press right now? Like, why do you think it took a dip for a long time? Um,
1: uh my My guess that it took a dip for a while was just my inconsistency in training. After Nationals 2020, the Daytona one, um, I took a little bit of a break. Uh, I was like, I'm going to go have fun with my friends and go on trips. And I did a lot of fun stuff, but I did take a break from lifting for like three-ish weeks or maybe like three and a half And squat and deads came back pretty fast, but I don't know what happened. Bench was just a lot harder to figure out after that. Um, It it made its way back up pretty quick, but I just felt all out of whack after that. Like, I don't know. Like, I took three weeks off and all of a sudden I didn't know how to bench. Like, I was like, I I don't remember where I put my hands. I don't remember where I put my feet. It, It didn't come back as naturally. Um, And it was really frustrating for a while, like that feeling where people talk about like making their way back from something. That's kind of what it felt like. Like I know I wasn't injured or anything, but like I notably I know I lost strength. I was like, oh, wow, I have to start over, but take some steps back and work my way back up. But I did change a lot of things since I've been with Steve, just like hand positioning and foot positioning and all this other stuff that I think has really helped it to make its way back up and more so it, it worked out for the best
0: beautiful I want to backtrack I know you were talking about being in grad school what were you in school for and are you still in school
1: um I was in school for occupational therapy and I am not I graduated um May 2021 May 20, yeah May 2021 or June so I've been an occupational therapist for about a year now
2: so, Do you like it?
1: I love it. Yeah. <laughs> I really enjoy my job. Um, it took a little while for me to figure out um, where I wanted to be, like in terms of like what setting I wanted to work in. So it was a lot of uh, reflecting and just moving around and trying to find my place for like a year. So that was tough. But now that I've been settled in and like stable in my current job for the past, like, three months um I'm really enjoying where I'm at so that's good
0: when it comes to OT can I remember meeting with the occupational therapist ooh, I was 15 yes oh, really? that was when I was getting diagnosed with ADHD which was a terrible oh my god that was a whole thing um but <laughs> all I remember is they were like doing a bunch of random like tests with me like, I had to, like, see how many numbers I could, like, memorize in order. I had to, like, do random stuff with blocks. So I'm like, okay, from <laughs> this, like, just, I'm a random block color. So I was like, I have to do something with these. So from the small experience I did have with OT, mm-hmm. is the major goal to just help people, like, with like, diagnosing these orders on you have, once you have diagnosed them, you're helping them to learn how to work through it. Like, is that most OT? Or is that just my one thing? And it's, like, a whole other thing? <laughs>
1: I mean, it sounds like what they were doing with you initially was like, I mean, I guess trying to like diagnose you or like see um, like where, where you were lacking or where, where there were weaknesses, but like OTs, I, I the whole point of OT is function. So wherever you feel like you're lacking in function or you're unable to do um, the things in your life that are meaningful to you, that's when OT comes in. Like a lot of people, you hear occupational therapists. They're like, "Oh, uh, what do you like?" No one knows what we do. They're like, "Oh, you help me find jobs, like occupation?" No, <laughs> no. Um, every every everything you do is technically considered an occupation or anything you find important to you. So, with what I do, like I work in a school, so I and I work with children. So, what's their most important? occupation in school, it's, it's education, it's being able to participate in their academic environment. So OTs in schools will work on things like fine motor skills, like executive functioning, which is things like being able to plan and be organized, um, sensory processing, all, all these little things that add up to help you to be able to function in your academic environment. So that's it. I do, but <laughs> there's you, there's OTs in so many settings, like in people's houses and hospitals. Um, what's they call it called? Outpatient centers. So it lo- it looks a little different everywhere, but the end goal is the same.
0: What makes you specifically like working with kids? And I'm asking that because I know my nephew, who I'm really close with, needs OT um he's about to start it really soon and they're like comes to the house and I'm like I I can't wait to see hopefully I can see it I'll live with him like how this works for him because for him like he's autistic and he's had the hard time like like doing stuff with his hands for some reason is not working out for certain things like I don't know how to describe this like he can't put like a straw in the cup but he can grab a phone and I'm like why can't you put the straw like in my mind I'm in like Put straw in, slide up top. In top. So, <laughs> so, yeah, what makes you like working with kids, basically?
1: Um, yeah, so I didn't initially, like, when I came out of grad school, I didn't know I was going to be working with kids. I thought I was going to work with adults, and I did for a little bit. Um, I, I worked with the geriatric population, which is, like, elder adults in their homes initially, and because – I realized really fast that that's not where I wanted to be. Um, I guess my, my, I just did a complete 180 and was like, I'm just gonna go work with the complete opposite population and see how that goes. So it wasn't like it was planned. Um, it was kind of just a wing it type of thing and see how it goes. And I ended up loving it. And I guess I guess what I love about working with kids is that because of where they're at developmentally, you can really see their you can really see their progress happening right in front of you. Um, and even if they don't understand it as much, because that's something I've noticed, was like, well, younger kids don't necessarily like, understand like, how much progress they're really making, but as the adult outside of the situation, when I'm working with them day to day, I can see them physically getting better at whatever we're working on. Um, and it's so rewarding. And it's so rewarding when they do see it, like when you say, like, wow, like, look what you just did. You couldn't do that a month ago or two months ago. And now you can. And they're like, "like they're so excited and they just want a sticker. They're like, here's your sticker. <laughs> um, but yeah, I get. it's
2: just
1: it's really it's really rewarding to know that you you helped them to succeed.
0: No, you know, I guess that does make sense because you're right. Like when they're younger, like they're literally learning it for the first time. So you can see the excitement. Whereas with older people, like literally just old people, you're like, they okay, question. Were they do they have attitudes? I just picture I, I don't want to sound mean. I don't like being around old people. I picture old people who smell and are just nasty. That's what I pictured when you said like I worked for Gyriatri.
1: <laughs> it was, it was um it was, I, I experienced a lot of different things, you know, a lot of them have different attitudes towards their situation, you know, and you can never begin to understand what someone's going through um, when they're suffering some sort of ailment or things mm-hmm. like that. But um, it was just not the environment for me. Um, it was just very, uh, it was very t- mentally taxing. So I guess that's what made me do the complete the complete switch and I, I guess it was kind of like a Hail Mary type of thing but it worked out so sometimes you just got to take that leap
0: <laughs> no that's really good though I'm happy that you found like the population that works well for what you want to do
1: exactly yeah I was like either that or I'm like I don't know what I'm gonna do for the rest of my life I definitely... <laughs> so I'm glad it worked out
2: <laughs>
0: do you see yourself doing this for the rest of your life
1: I do that, that that was the biggest thing to me. Like, I feel like if you sit down and you take a look at what you're doing and you're like, I cannot see myself doing this in 20 years. I can't see myself doing this in a month, which is how I felt back then. <laughs> um, that's a scary feeling. But like, I've been like a few months into this. And I'm like, I could see myself being happy doing this in 20 years. And that is a super nice feeling because who wants to do something that they don't like every day? That was terrifying for me. I was like, I know a lot of people do it. Yeah. I don't know how they do it. You do what Me you either. gotta do. <laughs> but, you know, if you have the opportunity now while we're young to like go after what we want, like then do it. It's never too late to do that. But especially now, I was like, I have the means to like try things while I can. So I'm going to do that. <laughs> yeah, it's,
0: it's insane. Like I wake up every day and I'm like, How do people, like, hate their job but, like, wake up happy? Can I wake up? I'm like, yo, I get to just help my athletes, go respond to all my clients, going to do some programming, going to plan for the next meet. I'm like, people wake up mad to go to work. I've had people in my life, like, they become miserable humans outside of work because they're so mad about work.
2: Yeah.
1: That's where you spend, like, half of your life, like, half most of your week. Like, I can't imagine, like, hating it all the time um yeah I it can't be a good feeling so yeah
0: okay do you see yourself powerlifting for the next 20 years
1: oh yeah <laughs> 100% like you'll ever see those videos of the 80 year olds like pulling like 315 pounds and yes. like you're automatically like this is gonna be me
2: So the day <laughs> I die
1: I <laughs> 100% may not be as strong but I'd love to continue doing it until I can no longer do it.
0: I wonder every day, well, not every day, but I wonder for real, like, will I be powerlifting once I'm, like, past 45? Because I'm like, okay, let me think, like, I'm 26, I've been here for eight years, that's actually, like, 19 years, that's 27 years, well, I I could just hang the hat up and just coach and commentate at that point, like, I did what I came to do. (laughs) <laughs> i'm a to Announce it formally like the annoying people do when they stop you're like i'm gonna stop forever <laughs> and, and go all day <laughs> like that could be me maybe even though i love compete it's hard i'm like but then i never get to like have the feeling competing again
1: have that feeling yeah and that's why i can't imagine like not having that ever again like i know it's subject to change and who knows where we're going to be in 20 years but like the way we feel right now about competing like i can't Imagine not having that feeling again. No matter how old we are, like yeah, this will be fun. We'll be masters, you know, and just doing our thing.
0: (laughs) Keep it going, keep it going. Yeah. Oh my god, I I think about my masters athletes. I'm like, but they weren't doing it for for twenty something years. (laughs) Like they started as masters. They started. I just don't know.
1: (laughs) Exactly.
0: (laughs) All right. I want to play overrated, underrated. Just for a few things. I want to start with your the iron rebel knee sleeves. Overrated or underrated?
1: Underrated.
0: <laughs> I don't know. I
1: hope I'm not hyping them up too much, but I just love them. <laughs> I don't know. I'm probably just so biased because I feel like they've helped me so much. But um I think they're underrated. I feel like a lot of people don't know about them. Um, some people even said to me like I have like I didn't hear about them until you mentioned them. Like I was like. Really, it was someone else mentioned them to me, and that's why I got them. Um, but they, I think they're underrated because, like I said, a lot of people haven't heard about them. And I don't know, they, they've they given me so much help in my squat. I don't know if it's just the confidence, but they they have this, like, material that just bouncing out of the hole feels so much more, like, I feel like I can utilize that stretch reflex so much better in these knee sleeves, um, despite having lost almost all circulation in both my legs. (laughs) Um, so there's a trade-off obviously, but it, it it depends how much you're willing to suffer, you know, to suffer (laughs) through. Yeah. (laughs) They, they just, they put the disclaimer on the website. They're like, we're warning you. It's not going to feel so great, but your squat
0: (laughs) is going to be great. (laughs) It's going to be good. (laughs) Do you wear extra small?
1: Uh, in the Iron Rebels I wear smalls, which I usually like you would, I'm usually an extra small or like whatever the smallest sizes but they were like don't size up don't size down whatever your instinct is don't do it just measure and then get that size so I listened and thank god if I went down I don't I wouldn't have legs so
0: <laughs> I find that fascinating because I have so I have answers and I just switched to smalls. so I was wearing actually small the whole time and I would just lose circulation in my left leg for the entirety of these the training sessions the second I put it on. And so I was thinking, okay, you have to be extra small. So, like, if you're a small, who can fit in extra smalls without dying? No one.
1: <laughs> I can't name someone. I don't know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no one is the answer.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I have no idea who would fit into them. But even if you're usually a small or an extra small, just measure
2: measure your kneecap whatever you're supposed to measure your your cap <laughs> oh my gosh um the usapl pro series Rated. can i pick the middle no Rated? <laughs> <laughs> uh underrated the pro series okay
1: I feel it like, I love the pro series, but if I have to pick one, I feel like I am gonna say overrated. Okay. I feel like I'm gonna say overrated. Because ju- I feel like it has the potential to be in the middle, but just overrated in terms of the organization of it. But we'll we'll give it a pass because it's the first year. I think so many aspects of it are absolutely amazing, like the production value, like putting like these high-level lifters like in this bracket and like making it really exciting for people to watch. Like, all that is
2: amazing. I just think it needs more organization before it can get all the credit that it deserves. (laughs) Agreed. Agreed, yeah. (laughs) Wrist wraps for squatting. Underrated. Really? Underrated. Yeah. I'm all about the protection, you know? Protect
1: your wrists. (laughs) I is not fair because everything is circumstantial
0: (laughs) yes but it is for you to answer so it's about you and your experience really
1: (laughs) underrated yeah because I feel like I feel like for the most part a lot of times people are squatting low bar they got their wrists in these like interesting positions especially someone like me and a lot of people who like to bring their arms super close in. If your wrist isn't in if your wrist isn't in neutral, I guess I I lean towards the stance that you should be in wrist wraps just because it protects your joints a little bit well, a little bit better, I mean, for the future. So I'm gonna say underrated. Wrist wraps for all.
0: So for me, funny enough, I was overrated up until two weeks ago where like my left wrist, I realized is starting to become ridiculously extended. And I'm like, oh, now it mm-hmm. just hurts. And, oh <laughs> and I've been trying to be the person, for no reason whatsoever, the person who never squashes brisks, I just never have. And yeah. that's what i was doing. It, i was like, well, I don't need them. And now I'm like, oh, my God. I might need them. I might them need on. them. Like, I'm like, how do I to, like, get stronger? This is getting harder. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> who knew, yeah. right? You get stronger and stuff gets hard to do, like cold hold stuff.
2: <laughs> I don't know. Who would have thought? <laughs> <laughs>
0: okay. Water cutting.
2: Um, man i hate that there's only two options
0: uh (laughs) i I mean regular rated would be so boring i know you're right you're right
2: i'm gonna pick overrated even though i water cut overrated (laughs) okay why because i have so many experiences where it goes wrong or heard of so
1: many experiences where it goes wrong that i'm like why even risk it (laughs) but um so that's why i would say overrated i'm just like i I, i'm like more of a play it safe kind of girl like so i'm like i think i think it just has to be utilized uh smartly i guess and sometimes it's just not people try and water cut too much weight and then it just disadvantages
2: them so I would say I would say overrated. Fair.
0: All right, last one: being a cat mom. Underrated. No, it's not underrated.
1: <laughs> As I have my cat here, right on my lap. I, I saw him the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> underrated. It's it's the best, even though they can be the worst sometimes.
0: <laughs> like I would have said underrated until I got the orange cat. You ever seen your post about my orange cat?
1: I've definitely seen you post. Your I don't own.
0: I don't love him and I just can't love him. <laughs> I'm <laughs> a jerk. Like I have moments of love, but it's always followed by a bite or a scratch or or a hiss or I hate you or him knocking over a glass. And I'm like, you know what? Like if I wasn't such a committed human being, I would have put him outside the second I got him. Like five minutes later.
1: The only thing I'll say is that people like back before I we got this little guy i like was always told and i grew up with cats too like oh cats are so much easier than dogs like get a yeah. cat if you can't handle the responsibility no no that's not true just be forewarned anyone who wants a cat they're not they're they're not <laughs> like, they're special is- in their own yeah.
0: way <laughs> yes like yes i don't have to take it outside and it's freezing outside and that's fantastic but like the amount of stuff they have chewed through broken wake me up trying to chew my dreadlocks off i'm like you know what dogs I, my dog never tried to do any of these things she just needs to go outside like that was all so I'm like either take your, your dog outside or deal with your cat trying to kill you and ruin your house like it's not exactly. better
1: no it's not the better it's just just different it's not better <laughs>
0: I will say that I was impressed when my cat started to try. He's not successfully done it, but he started to try opening the bathroom door. And because he can hop up onto the sink and like kind of move it around, I'm like, you know, you are at least turning it. You just can't get the leverage to pull it at the same time.
1: <laughs> <laughs> they're smart. Don't let them convince you that they're that they're not. They know exactly what they're doing.
0: They fascinate. And then me. they,
1: t- I know. And then they try and be all cute. Two seconds later, and then oh we God. forgive them every time. <laughs>
0: I forgive them, but I
1: But you don't forget.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and the black one never does anything to me. That's my problem. It's really hard for me to love the orange one like the black one just sits there.
1: <laughs> I know. They're like complete opposites. It's like, how can you be like this, but you're like this?
0: Yep. Like... <laughs> Bro, who knows? Uh Demetria, thank you for joining me. It's fun okay. talking to you.
1: Thank you for having me on. I really appreciate it
0: yes i'm gonna see you in like eight days i
1: know i'm very excited it's gonna be a good time
0: i know oh all right you have a good well, taper oh no wait, do you still have a happy day
1: one more tomorrow what about you
0: same all same right tomorrow. wait you're gonna be at Alante. i might go
1: yeah let's go let's go let's train <laughs> right, together let's do
0: we'll do it okay let's, all right so see, we'll, see i'll see you tomorrow, see you tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> all right thank you again and y'all catch you next time on the power lifting podcast guys thank you so much again for listening again don't forget to rate review share with a friend love you appreciate you catch you next time on the power
2: and lifting podcast